0: I would like to make some introductory remarks using this slide, just to introduce the topic of the paper and to sort of frame what's coming in, these, in terms of these simple uh, diagrams. SIC1 at different times and how that would promote its decoration. Good. Um, so so the paper, so just a few additional points. So the paper deals with a truncated form of sick one Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. can you point out which that is? Truncated. Delta C. one Delta Um, so that that's so what are the features of so so there are two domains in sig one right? And in C terminal domains. And what are what are the features of the two domains? Anybody? Uh, so the C terminal domain is a phosphate binding site. Is that right, uh N terminal. And, and, it, and it's a disordered domain yes. and the C-terminal domain uh, is the square domain uh, in this picture and it binds and inhibits the uh, this particular uh, cyclin kinase complex and so So this happens with a lot of uh, proteins whose levels need to be tightly regulated is they have one domain that is associated with a certain aspect of function, in this case, binding to and inhibiting a CDK, Um, and another domain that is basically a degradation regulatory domain, and very often such domains are disordered and very often those domains are replete with uh, motifs that can be phosphorylated, uh, as well as they're often replete with other types of binding motifs, as is the case with this domain. And one, one sort of feature of, or one, uh, yeah, feature, or even you could say advantage of a domain being disordered is you can encode lots of information about interactions uh, in a fairly short stretch of amino acids. So in this case, uh, there's, uh, what, nine phosphorylation sites and then there's, I think, four uh, RXL cyclin recognition motifs all within, you know, a stretch of 100 amino acids or something. So there's 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 a great deal of of regulatory complexity that's encoded in this really short domain that's just sort of appended to this other uh, regulatory domain. Um, so what's what's really a cool aspect of this system is that you know it's it, it has sort of feed forward characteristics where you know the the activity of the earlier cyclin complex, cyclin kinase complex, the one on the top, you know, that doesn't have an inhibitor associated with it. So, as soon as, the, as soon as the cell cycle machinery sort of gets going, this complex is expressed and it becomes active. And it does two things it f- phosphorylates the cyclin within that complex. Which is a signal for um, degradation. But it also, as is, is discussed in detail in this paper, it begins to phosphorylate particular sites on uh, the within the of sick one And so then that, that starts uh, so then so then this domain becomes, you know, some some small amount of this domain then becomes tagged for ubiquitination and degradation of the whole uh, of the whole protein and and so then you know these complexes the ones the ones that are sort of released from their inhibitor you know they become active so then you have not only these complexes, but these complexes are, you know, they rise, but then they start to decline through their own phosphorylation activity that leads to degradation. Um, But you get enough phosphorylation of these that you start to get an accumulation of active complexes of this type, which then uh, target, uh, you know, sort of a a, a sort of discrete um, set of other sites within this tail and drive the further phosphorylation of the tail in other complexes that are still inhibited to ultimately lead to the complete elimination of sik one uh, So you know, so there's sort of, you know, this interplay between this activity and the emerging activity of these complexes that then lead to um, sort of very sort of aggressive phosphorylation of the remaining tails and a very sharp transition then from uh, inhibited complex, complexes like these to fully active complexes like these and entry into S phase of cell division. Uh, so, what's, so can anyone describe briefly the significance of, of these two diagrams and the differences between them? The cyclin domains. Why is there an X here? It doesn't have a Yeah, okay, so so explain what you mean. Um, well, the obvious difference I see is it does not have an RxL And what's the significance of that? I uh,
1: I can't exactly
0: remember but mm-hmm. what's the RXL docking motif for? it's for so what 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 so in the simplest terms what does it do it contracts the hydrophobic pocket of so um so where where are the RXL motifs here or in SIC one they're in sick one. How many are there? Four. Four. And so, where can those those motifs bind? Can they bind here? No. That's why the X is there. Okay. So, uh, can they bind here? Yeah, it says so. <laughs> right. So, what what's the significance of having an having an interaction between an RXL motif? and a cyclin like clip 5, in the context of this kind of complex. Spectrum, well, sp- Pardon me? To... Did you say to prevent it? Uh-huh. Is that... Do you, you guys agree or disagree? That's okay, you can throw her under the bus. She
2: meant to allow. Yeah, she meant that's to what she That's what she meant to that's say. What she told
0: me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a recruitment site. So it recruits, sick one is the substrate for these two kinases. And so if the substrate has an RXL motif, it sticks here. And you noticed, well, I hope you noticed, that the RXL motifs are close to the phosphorylation sites, right? So they follow the phosphorylation sites. And, and you know, they show in the paper that it's the one that follows. Uh, that's important for mediating the phosphorylation of the preceding sites, um, and so what's what's CKS one? adapter
1: protein, phospho
3: protein.
0: So what does it bind to?
3: Uh, CK one.
0: And what else? Does it bind anywhere in SIC1 or in, in specific places? Yeah, serine Just any old serine, phosphorylated, phosphorylated serines and threonines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and what's the significance of that? This is the main point of the paper. Those are like the first
3: ones that it binds to are sort of like docking sites, and then that sort of triggers the phosphorylation of other sites on sig one.
0: Bingo. Yeah. So so it 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 the the docking function of Cks one uh, or the the adapter function. Um, and its specificity for phosphoserine or phosphothreonine sites uh, is the basis for processivity. Yes? This paper is about the molecular mechanism of processivity. And it's processivity that gives rise to the sharp transition. In if you if you looked at the review paper that I Came across the other day and posted up for you. Um, and that's this one. So here the authors are illustrating uh, sharp transitions. So so this so it's this diagram, um, it's the features of, of these individual curves in this diagram that the Nature paper is all about providing a molecular explanation for. And um, what, they're, what they're trying to explain is the basis for there being very ra- a very rapid transition from unphosphorylated sick one to fully phosphorylated sick one And you could, you, could, you could draw this graph uh, in, in a number of different ways. Here, the x-axis is time. But a lot of times, this sort of graph is drawn with the x-axis, x-axis being kinase concentration, and so, in the case of kinase concentration, it, it would sort of correspond to the emerging activity of the second, second cyclin kinase complex uh, in the. That's a part of this system. So as you know, you get a little bit of of kinase, uh, then it progressively phosphorylates uh, sic one molecules and very quickly, you know, so as you, as you make a, a small change in kinase concentration, you get a dramatic change in the extent of SIK1 phosphorylation. And this is what phenomenologically leads to there being a sort of sharp transition from G1 to S phase. And so the cell doesn't linger over this decision as the dotted line would indicate with a, with a with a gradually graded response okay so that so the so in biology you see in many many different sort of you know regulatory processes you see sharp transitions but in a lot of cases the molecular basis for these sharp transitions is simply not understood right so 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 the, these are so this paper is about you know it's You know, providing a molecular explanation for sharp switching um, for this type of regulatory system, so that so fundamental concepts emerge from this paper about how you can achieve that sort of sharp response, Um, and it settles some issues in the literature um, that sought to explain, you know, that sought to you know provide explanations for this sort of sharp response, and and there's actually. One set of papers that that go in a completely different direction that aren't even cited in this particular paper, but we don't have time to go into that. Um, Those other uh, explanations, which I think this paper kind of disproves. Um, And, okay, so let's look at this. I think we've covered uh, pretty much everything. You know, so important concepts are the feed-forward nature of this, um, the... You know the importance of this early activity to initiate the degradation of Sic1, which leads to uh, the generation of the early molecules of this complex that are active, that then you know exhibit you know then then you know carry out their processive phosphorylation in the way that's very carefully presented in the paper, um, and that some of the differences in the activities of this complex versus this complex or the, the differences that they present uh, arise from the difference in the cyclone regulatory partner, this one not having an RxL binding motif, which provides uh, the, which, which lacks the ability to recruit on the basis of RxL motifs in the substrate, whereas this one has those RxL motifs. So this one is sort of jacked up for recruitment because it's got this recruitment site and then it's got the adapter. This one only has the adapter. So, you know, I'm going to ask you questions on the exam where I'm going to want you to tell me the significance of this paper, and it's in the sort of terms we've just been discussing. And, I mean, there aren't figures like this in the paper because it's a short litter in nature, and they don't have the space for nice illustrative um, figures like this, but it's, it's in these general terms that I expect you to appreciate the findings in the paper, As well as you know the the details at a at a certain level. Um, Okay, so who wants to take uh, take us through uh, panel A? We will pass the pointer around. See, he's smart. He took an early figure. Oh, so panel A shows, uh, compares uh, CLN1 and CLB5 with or without the presence
1: uh, of a mutation on the CKS1 site. So uh, in the first part, uh, the wild type has all the uh, phosphorylation going on, but by mutating the CKS
0: docking site, it loses phosphorylation. clv one the C, the CLB5 also has phosphorylation at the wild type, but by mutating the CTS1, it also loses the phosphorylation. So, um, does does the, the do the wild type lanes and the two parts of the figure um, do they provide evidence for processivity? Show of hands, no. Show of hands, yes. Okay, so, uh, why yes? Because there's
4: more that have six
5: states than
0: there are a the lesser. Right, right, so processivity means that the process, you know, goes to completion. Without there being a steady buildup of intermediates. And so the most intense band is with six phosphates. Of course, if you wait long enough, you're going to get that, right? So, I mean, we don't see in this figure um, a time course, but we do in others. And, I mean, the, the issue of processivity is very carefully developed in the paper, but, and this, this panel alone does not demonstrate that. So those, those of you who said no, if it was on that basis, then you're correct. Um, but what I want to point out is, is sort of the hallmark of a processive process is that the reaction goes, you know, a multi-step reaction goes to completion without, you know, the steady appearance of, of intermediates and its, it's processivity so, so, so basically you know if you have a lot of phosphorylation sites then the E3 ligase cdc 4 can, can bind uh, very you know so if there's multiple phosphorylated sites that each are recognition sites for the E3 ligase that means that ubiquitination is going to occur really quickly. And the protein's gonna be degraded really quickly, right? The, the paper doesn't discuss very much about ubiquitination and degradation. Well, they talk about deg- degradation, but they don't actually talk about the process of ubiquitination. But that's what's in between phosphorylation and degradation, right? So it's lots of phosphorylation sites really quickly, then you get lots of ubiquitination really quickly, and then you get rid of the protein really quickly. Um, so, and okay, so that's a hallmark of processivity. Okay, what's going on in, in panel B? Go ahead.
3: So they used a phosphopeptide competitor, so basically something that's going to compete with C- CKS1 for binding of phosphorylated sites um, to see if that would reduce um, the phosphorylation, and it was really similar. Right. Um, in part A and that it reduced the phosphorylation when it was present.
0: So is is that panel necessary?
1: It's just sort, sort of, of like a uh, proof control
3: basically. Yeah. I don't think it hurts. But there there, but there's a, there's a
0: specific reason though. That it is necessary? Pardon me? That it is necessary. So, so what, if, what if the mutation, so their interpretation of, of the mutation on the left is that through the mutations they knock out specifically the phospho-binding site on the adapter, correct? Yeah? What if the mutations just cause the protein to misfold? Right. And so then, what's the significance of the data in panel B? So, the peptide is known to bind to the docking site on the adapter. And so, if you, if you add a lot of peptide that binds to the docking site, then the adapter can't dock SICK1, right? So the specific point that panel B makes is uh, that the defect is specific to docking to the phosphocyte. So it's, it's an issue of specificity. So whenever you make a mutation in a protein and you don't analyze the structural features of the mutated protein to know whether or not it's misfolded, because you can get all sorts of negative results because mutations cause a protein to misfold. You can't just, you know, assume that your reason for the mutation and your interpretation of the effect is correct. Um, so you have to demonstrate specificity. And uh, so, I mean, they still don't prove that the protein here is folded and just is defective in docking, but the, the demonstration that... Um, the phosphopeptide competes for the binding, the recruitment of sick one, and leads to the same type of defect. Supports the argument. Okay.
4: What about the difference in um, the CLB five in mutant versus the phosphopeptide competitor? There's a lot more phosphorylation with the mutant. Is that because of the RFL site?
0: Um. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the phospho competitor also interacts with the RxL site. No. No, the re- well, so the, re- the reason that there's, the, I mean, probably the reason that there's more phosphorylation um, here versus here is because this cyclin doesn't have the RxL um, binding site and this one does so you're you've lost the um, ability to recruit via the CKS1 adapter but this one has an additional docking site and this one doesn't but what about that mean versus the phospho-peptide competitor oh um you know it could be that uh yeah so I mean, it's a good point I, I, I really can't answer that um different experiment, different day. Um, yeah, I I, I I, don't know, actually. Because those two are almost identical. Right, the yeah. CLN2. Right, yeah. I, I don't have an explanation. Yeah, it's a good point. I think it came up last year, <laughs> 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 now that you mention it. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it could be... Uh, I mean, these are pretty... I mean, these are... Pretty careful scientists, um, and you know, but there, there could just be you know experimental variations. You know, th- these are these these guys are really careful. Um, I'm, not, I'm not being critical, but you know, uh, yeah, I just don't know. Okay, uh, panel C. Oh, <laughs> ah, the scramble for it. <laughs> Someone will do it! I got it. Okay, <laughs> fighting over the point. So,
3: here they're just showing uh, a single um, CDK site. So, they're, they're showing the phosphorylation of a single CDK site on a mutation of SICK1. Um, they're trying to prove here that, well, they showed that the, there's little effect of phosphorylation for a single site. So, they're setting up for the rest of the paper here that it's not just one site, it's uh, the effect of on phosphorylation is of many CDK sites.
0: Yeah, I mean they're okay. Any so, any other elaboration on that?
1: Well, um, it's still phosphorylated when there's only one site. So there's a, there's complexity to the interactions with the mutant and with the, uh, the peptide that aren't really occurring when you only have one site. To be right.
0: Right. And and it's sort of saying that the intrinsic activity of the two kinases um, are similar. Yeah, I mean, just toward, you know, toward the simplest possible substrate, these kinases are intrinsically, approximately, you know, uh, equally active. And so that difference, differences in phosphorylation patterns in subsequent figures must be due to something other than this kinase is, like, more or less active than the other, intrinsically as an enzyme. Um, Okay. Uh, Let's... D and and E are really the same thing, so one person can cover both of those. Okay, now they
4: just did a time course to um, prove the processivity of adding the phosphates um, and the increase over time of the six phosphates. And
5: then
4: this is just quantitating that... um,
0: the one with zero phosphates is dropping, and the one with six phosphates is right. Right. And what are what are all the other little lower curves?
4: One through five phosphates. Right. So those are all
0: the intermediates. Right. So basically, the intermediates are are you know I mean so it's right it's all those intermediate bands up there. So I mean they're they're there they're real they're measurable. Um, but they're quite weak, and so basically, as soon as you get an initial phosphorylation, then all the other phosphorylations occur, giving you that intense band on the top. And is the same true for the other one? Yeah. So this this is so this is the this is the proof of processivity. And then and then they say, how does you know where how does it come about? Right? The rest of the paper is how this comes about. Well,
4: this one, too, it happens a little bit later. The transition, like, where they cross. Then mm-hmm. yep. this one is only 15 minutes. But I was kind of expecting the opposite because of the RSL side. But.
0: Yeah. Um, it's a good point. Um, and... So... You know, it kind of says so. So, what's what's your so what's an interpretation of that? So, there, so, so in this one, there's one type of docking site, and in, in the right-hand one, there's two types. Just takes longer to get everything together. Well, well
2: this one's bound to the inhibitor first, so this. Cyclone
0: 2 is more free and has maybe more available phosphorylation sites which is I guess what you're saying yeah so I mean the one on the left so the one on the left has CKS1 CKS1 recruits substrates when there are phosphorylated serines and threonines but at the start there aren't any of those right so so the the initial interactions that create phosphocytes are sort of typical Michaelis-Menten type interactions Um, and then as you get phosphocytes then uh, those sites can bind to CKS-1 and the process of recruitment begins Um, so what's the case on the right?
4: You have
0: the RXL starting it. Right, so you have RXL motifs. So maybe if they zoomed in down here, you would see a big difference in mm-hmm. kind of how they start. I mean, I, I'm sort of going for a different interpretation. Are, 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 are the two types of, of docking interactions equally, and equally uh, important? I mean, do they contribute equally? It kind of seems like the RxL interactions are kind of wimpy, right? Because you wouldn't you expect that if they were really, you know, if they were as effective as CKS-1 docking, then you would think that the one on the right would go much quicker, right? So, and they, 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 they talk a little bit about um, the RxL motifs, is sort of their strength at the end, toward the end of the paper. Um, we're probably not gonna. Well, we'll see whether we get to that or not. Um, but yeah, it it is it is a little bit surprising that the two curves look as similar as they do. Yeah, you know. So you know. So you know. This is the real world. You know. You, everything. You know. There's there's complexities in the system that. Um, don't fit the simple explanations. Uh, okay. So let's um, let's tackle A and B. Really glad you guys are volunteering because I actually forgot to bring my names in the hat. <laughs> I was trying to find the email or the Excel spreadsheet is, but
6: I couldn't find it just in case I needed it, so. So, A shows all the phosphorylation sites, the docking motifs and the phosphate in the SIG-1. Um, and when you look at A and B, it shows that the SIG-1, the truncated mutants with only one of the CDK sites, showed that the CLB5, CDK1 rapidly phosphorylated four sites, the T5, T33, the S76, and the S80. And specificity depended on the RLX2 and RXL3 docking sites in the sig one protein. And then the CL and CDK, it's the uh, bottom one right here, showed a preference for the internally located um, site D5 and the rate of appearance of the multi phosphorylated species correlated with site specificity for both the CLN and CLB5. Anyone want to add
0: anything? Pretty on target. So, yeah, I mean it, it I mean it, it took a little while to figure out what was going on with these reagents, right? Right? So so the I mean so so these guys did a lot of mutagenesis, yeah. Right? So it's you know so it's one, two, three, well there's nine of them, right? Nine times uh what, four additional uh, types of mutations. So nine times four is what, uh, 36. Mm -hmm. So this this represents, the top panel represents the results of, uh, well, there's 45 proteins and and then the bottom one is an additional nine, I guess. A lot of mutants. I mean, just the bookkeeping. (laughs) A lot of reactions, yeah. so what's, so, what's the, what's kind of a, a takeaway, you know, what's an, what's an important takeaway message?
6: What I kind of got out of it was that they, had, they were talking about how there are so many different sites. Um, and you don't understand the first one. The first, they do phosphorylate the first site. But it does require multiple to for the whole process to
0: occur. Right, and 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 so I mean this this figure sort of speaks to the importance of the early events that sort of get the process going, yeah. And and it says that not all sites are created equal, yeah, Mm -hmm. right. So there are some preferred sites. So it's so it's it's providing you know sort of so it's 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 so. From this from these results, we can sort of rank the sites sort of hierarchically in terms of their likelihood of being phosphorylated in the earliest stages of um, this signaling cascade.
5: Yeah.
0: And okay, so pass the baton and I have a quick question on
3: but the RIL motifs like provide specificity for like, four specific sites, and then you know the bottom one under S sixty nine. There's there's not a
1: mark for anything. So how I, I mean, is so, it just from previous studies that they've learned that S sixty nine is an important phosphorylation uh,
0: So I, I think I think these sites are defined simply by that they're either a serine or a threonine followed by a proline. Okay. so. Yeah. So CDK is classically phosphorylate serine or threonine followed by a proline. So I suspect that um, and yeah. So the, the sequence is listed. So all of these noted serines or threonines are followed by a proline, right? Because 80, eighty, yeah, eighty is R S P F um, P. But it it just means um, or sixty nine. Where's sixty nine? Uh, so it's yeah T S Gotcha. so so that's a that's a crappy CDK site, um, or you know, or you know, it could be that the site next to it is a really good one, yeah. and right there's like competition, mm-hmm. and but operatively in the context of this particular protein, it's just a crappy site, and that's you know that's what this paper is all about, is really getting into the details of you know, what are, what are, you know, what are the molecular events um, that occur, you know, what, what are the phosphorylation events that occur first, and then what are the consequences of, of those initial phosphorylations, which is what we'll learn about going forward. Um, any other comments, questions? Okay. Um, who's speaking next? Ah, okay. Okay, so Jayne. Measured the
4: phosphorylation of the cyclin mutant with all the CDK sites changed to alanine except for the triple cluster six nine seven six eighty and which contains two potential paired degrons and they saw that there was no progressive multi phosphorylation of the cluster. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, they just completely lost it, right?
4: Yeah, but they said it could be induced by adding back a single CDK one site.
0: So it's what and, and okay so, so point, 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 point to the lanes that indicate what you just said. So so where so show you point out wild type. Okay, and then so the first the first thing you said was when you when you get rid of all the sites except for the the cluster of three, then you get what level of phosphorylation? Where's that result? Pardon me. It's the it's yeah it's it's the the it's the dash it's the lane with the dash, right? Okay. Pardon me. Right. Yeah. So so I mean you you said things correctly. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just one thing to Point out exactly what are what what what's the data that supports what you said, right? So you, I mean so you you basically because I don't have a pointer. Um, So in, in, in lane number two, in each of the panels compared to lane number one, there's a dramatic difference in, uh, the extent of phosphorylation, right? And so, um, and so if you have, right, so, so in, in panel B, right, you see that, um, that especially with um, uh, the CLIB 5 complex, that serine 76 and 80 are amongst the two, um, you know, two of the four sites that are extensively phosphorylated. Um, so, you know, if you include those sites as well as 69 but you eliminate all the others, you mean you might have expected that those sites would be intrinsically phosphorylated quite a bit, right? But instead, what they found was that it's not, right? It's barely phosphorylated. Um, but then, so then I'll let you continue. So what's the significance of, you know, what, so what, are, what are the most sort of significant um, aspects of the lanes sort of on the right? Is there, is there, you know, a particular additional site whose phosphorylation really kind of drives the bus? Um, or are do they all, do all the ones that are individually added back kind of contribute equally? Somebody want to help out?
4: T45 when you mutate it the most no
0: cessation for the five complex. but then those three are very important the five very three three time, time. right so we're so I mean the the, the T's are, are the are the three anines that are added back
5: Oh, sorry.
0: yeah they're added back one by one so it's the so it's the cluster of three and then one by one you add back um T5, 33, 45, or on the right-hand side, both 2 and 5. So, which, which is the most important for uh, the the CLIN2 complex? T5. T5. T5, right? You get the most phosphorylation there. Um, why is the lane for T2 and 5 weaker? Because they could be. Could be. Yeah, could be. <laughs> yeah could be. Yeah, so the the enzyme... You know, it sort of phosphorylates both, but but not to the same extent as when only one is there and only one of them is important, right? So the the amount of T5 phosphorylation in the T25 construct may be lower. I mean, yeah, I would buy that. It's reasonable. And then what's going on on the right hand side? T5 and T33 both. Um well, but there's there yeah but remember it's just there all there's only one site yeah. of these priming sites at a time, so we're we are we not are not getting into the yeah. cooperation yeah. between yeah. them yet. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it just means you read the rest of the paper're both yeah. equally <laughs> important right yeah and and yeah exactly um, and that it doesn't seem like. The issue of competition between 2 and 5 doesn't seem as apparent in this example as in the left hand case. How far apart are T2 and T5 from each other? Is, that, like, three? Is it just 3? Uh, yeah, they're, they're amino acid okay, numbers. I mean, so if they're competing
4: competitively, if they're located so close, I mean, because when you put T2 and T5 back together in the CLB5,
0: Yeah. So you don't
4: see a, or, I mean, visually represented. You don't see as far of a decrease, or even a decrease compared to yeah.
0: So I mean, do you think do you think that the that the enzyme can bind that that you know do you think an enzyme complex can bind to the the T two and then another one bind to T five at the same time? yeah they i mean it's probably they're probably too close for that to be the case and so it just means when when the enzyme you know it just means that the enzyme can bind to one or the other of, of the sites but not both. but not both probably i mean i think your gut feeling is probably correct um in which and and so but when when there's only T5 there then that's the only one that can be bound i mean of course the enzyme's binding to all the other you know sites you know, it's binding to other sites within, within the protein um, non-productively, right? Because there, you know, I mean, it, there's RxL motifs, but there's, there's no phosphocyte nearby, right? So it's, you know, it's kind of a, you know, just a scramble. Uh, you know, it's just like randomly binding on the protein. And what we see, you know, so we really do get sort of true insights into preferences um, through through these, you know, through these experiments. I mean, these, these are, these are very elegant experiments. I mean, the experimental design um, in this paper is, is really, you know, sort of a tour de force um, in terms of teasing apart, you know, and, and of course, you know, teasing apart the, the details of the, of the process um, or the processes that occur. I mean, you, you have to sort of imagine that, you know, they initially started doing experiments and, and just couldn't understand the results and then sat sat back and scratched their heads and said, what the heck is going on here? And then developed hypotheses and then developed these these strategies for testing hypotheses. It's like, oh, well, maybe there's some dominant sites and how do we test that? Oh, well, we got to get rid of everything and test them one by one. Um, okay. Because uh, I absolutely would be willing to bet that the way that the order in which the data were collected in the lab are not the order presented in the paper. <laughs> That's rarely the case. <laughs> um, okay, who wants to take a stab at uh, well, let's, let's say panel D to start with and see how it goes.
3: Okay, so in penalty, they here yeah, they overexpress.
0: Um, so this, this, so just excuse me, just I mean, so we just tr- we just made a transition, yeah. What transition to what? Um, to cells. To in vivo. In vivo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and these are yeast, so it's truly in vivo, right? Because studying mammalian cells in culture is is not in vivo, although some people would say it is. It it ain't. It's not a mouse. It's not a human, right? But these are yeast, and this is in vivo, which is really the power of yeast as an experimental system.
3: Um, okay. Okay. So they overexpress the cluster site here at the wall type, which is shows you know viability. And when they overexpress the cluster, they kill the cells. It's lethal, um, and so then they try to. Rescue function by adding
1: in the T five site, they don't rescue function. Adding the T thirty three site, they don't rescue function. Uh, adding just the T forty five site, they can't rescue uh, viability. But when adding in the T thirty
3: three and the T forty five site, they can rescue viability, suggesting that um, the T thirty three and T forty five site interact to in the function
0: of the protein. Right. Um. So what's the what's the what's the bait what's the molecular basis for, um uh I guess lethality or failure to grow. sick um, one's not being
3: degraded.
0: Sick one's not being degraded. Tic-1 yeah. Tic-1> yeah. Tic-1> yeah. I mean it's just the, the kinase is inhibited. They're not going anywhere. Um, and so what what's a what's a uh, you know sort of a a key um, sort of finding uh, from from this panel versus the biochemical results we have been discussing from the earlier figures. Could
1: you repeat the question? Yeah. So what's,
0: what's the significance of... So um, the biochemical studies showed that you get quite a bit of phosphorylation for the T5 cluster, T33 cluster, but the cells are dead. So what's the take-home message? Well, a single phosphorylation is not enough. Right. So even though in the, in the test tube you can get a lot of phosphorylation, that that amount of phosphorylation that you're seeing is actually insufficient to drive the elimination of SICK1 in the in vivo setting. So it means that, you know, maybe the threshold for, you know, the... And it... it, So, you you sort of think about it, what could it be due to? Um, You know, what... What... So, I mean, it doesn't say that the biochemical results are wrong. But it says that, you know, maybe they're not fully relevant to what goes on in a cell.
1: Well, then they don't give a whole picture. You know, you can't deduce um, how these slight biochemical changes will affect an entire organism until you look at it.
0: Right. But what, 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 could, be, what could be a, a difference, pretty simp- a, a simple difference, that could possibly explain the difference in sort of outcome or outcomes um, for the, the the same sort of panel of mutants. Components that are in vivo but
2: not in a test tube that
0: might be inhibited. Okay, that's the sort of out of the box explanation. <laughs> <laughs> what about one little bit a little one that, that's a little I'm bit, bit in, more in the box? <laughs> no, I'm mean, I'm not saying you know I and mean, that's sort of unknowable, right? I you know I can't say you're wrong. <laughs> uh, It's sort of you know given the data you know you you can't know what you don't know. Um, But what what about something that's a little bit more in the box? Are are the are the are the conditions of the biochemical experiments the same as those in the cell? I mean, are the protein concentrations the same? Right. I mean the You know, I mean the, the, the the biochemical experiments are done at concentrations to really drive the reactions. And and are those the same as you know, are, you know, so you got cyclins and kinases, they're paired up, and you've got the CKS-1 adapter, yeah, it's probably stoichiometric, although there's a figure on that later in the paper, that it's actually not stoichiometric for both, for one of the complexes, it's one-to-one, the other complex, it looks like it's 0.5-to-one. And, but in addition, you don't know what the, you know, what the actual concentrations of those species are, right? Because, I mean... I mean you're all familiar with 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 the the, the, the uh, equilibrium dissociation constant k d right and you know so depending on what the k d value for for these various recruitment interactions of sick one to the different complexes, what those values are um you know if if the concentration and so the concentrations in the biochemical biochemical experiments you're probably like reasonably close to those k d values so that the complexes are populated to a you know, significant extent so as to drive the biochemistry. But if in the cell the concentrations are lower, then your the populations of the states seen in the biochemical experiments will be much lower. And so then the biochemistry would not be driven to the same extent. And so you need to, you need to increase the affinity by, you know, by having two sites phosphorylated that's probably what's going on is the the concentration regime in vivo is lower than that in the biochemical experiments that's what I would suggest um, and it's, I mean, it's I, mean, this, I mean this is sort of how I make my living is doing experiments in vitro, structural experiments, biochemical experiments and then trying to prove the mechanisms that we elucidate in vitro that they occur inside cells and we have to you know very carefully do eugenesis to show you knock out this interaction this outcome changes and but there, there's always this issue of you know are the biochemical conditions relevant to what's going on in the cell and, and we, we have to work really hard to prove it like you know look at our papers we have like 18 supplemental figures um, Okay, so that's panel D.
1: What's going on in panel E? So in panel E, we've got two versions of SICK1 where we're expressing T33 and and T45 as phosphorylation sites. Well, one of them has been mutated so that T48 is mutated to alanine. And they are comparing the relative amounts of phosphorylation in this one without the T48 mutation and this one with the T48. And we can see without that mutation, we have an additional band, which is indicative of more phosphorylation. So T48A is involved in these phosphorylation profiles with both uh, clin 2 and Clip5. Although Clip5 bands are a lot darker, so I'd say that it's, it induces more specificity for these particular treatments
0: Yeah, and that's I mean, what that what what's what's the difference in the two, the levels of phosphorylation on the left and the right? Probably due to
1: um, I'd say that this is probably similar to the T two and T five thing, where when you have T forty five and T forty eight right next to each other, um, that increases um, recognition by the kinase But no, I mean I'm asking about Clin two versus Clin
0: five. Concentration. Why why are the bands on the right so much darker than the bands on the left? Why is the total amount of phosphorylation different? No, they're no, they're probably very careful. It, it, it controls to be exactly the same.
1: Rxl. Yeah, it's probably
0: it's probably it's probably it's 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 probably in, in the circumstances of these particular mutants that um, a nearby R X L motif is 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 playing a a a, a big role. Um, okay, do you want to also take G? I do not. You do not want to take G. No, you are. <laughs> you just don't like it. Well, actually, well, E. Well, F comes after E. F. Right? Okay. Do you, Do you like take F? Uh, I've already given up. Okay. You just, you just don't like that part of the alphabet. Okay. It's fine. Terrible. I don't fully really
2: understand the like significance of E in context of the whole
0: paper. Yeah. It's It's a little. Yeah. I mean, It's, it's probably. So okay, what exactly have the data so they put in there? So it, no, it's probably a reviewer. <laughs> or, yeah, a reviewer asked a specific question. Okay. And and so so yeah, I mean so I mean what exactly so what exactly is the experiment? So So the o- so the only sites in the constructs are 3345 and then 48 is mutated to A. And then in the one on the right, 48 is not mutated to A, right? right. And those are the... So one has three... One has... Each has two sites. Uh, well, no. Well, there's three three-innings
1: involved here, but only two of them are normally sites, as I understand it.
0: Right. Um, right. And so, I mean, as you said, and, and the... So there's only either two or three phosphorylatable sites. Right? I see that's fair. Yeah. And that's, so that's why you see two two bands or three bands. And um, and you know, but the, the you know quantitatively the difference in the extent of phosphorylation on the left and the right in the two pairs of lanes, I mean it's really I mean having having forty-eight intact has a fairly subtle effect on the total amount of phosphorylation. Yeah? So, so that's why I'm just Right. Yeah, so they were, you know, so, so the reviewers said, yeah, but what about 48? Maybe that's doing something.
5: <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, that's where that came from. Okay. Yeah, that was not in the original draft. I'd put money on that it's kind of a yeah. It's it's a nitpicky little point, but you know, papers at this level with this you know with this amount of detail and you know so I mean you know it was like oh couldn't forty eight be kind of really playing an important role? You haven't directly demonstrated that
2: because I know it's involved in in F, but
0: um, right. So yeah. So that sort of continues the saga of forty eight. Yeah. Okay, so, well, yeah, so, lead, so leading to F.
3: So F is basically looking at the in vivo, the same concept of importance of this T48. Uh, now looking at viability. So if you look at the second and third rows, we have alanines replacing T48 or a series of alanines replacing 47 or 49. And although what we saw in D was a return to viability when we had both T33 and T45 in place, if we lose T48, we also lose that viability. And you see a little, just a fairly big growth in the first two concentrations of galactose when you just have the one alanine, but um, adding all three alanine mutations abolishes viability. And then the lower half of the figure is looking at the different S sites in that S69, uh, 76, 80 Degron, and if you lose one of them, uh, most notably 69, you still get pretty similar viability when all three were in place. However, if you lose uh, S80, you can see some pretty noticeable loss in viability, and if you lose uh, six, or yeah, six, nope, that's just it. And then the middle row is just T33. T forty five, right? They have no viability as we saw in the first figure. Um.
0: Right. Right. So, I mean, so it's so
3: right. See, so, so the double dig run from T forty eight with T forty five is important for maintaining viability growth, but also you, it's, you get best growth when you have the S triple diagram. Um, and of those three, it seems like uh, 80 and uh, 76 are probably more important than 69. Right. And so,
0: I just have to make sure I understand this. <laughs> um, so the only so I'm confused by these two.
4: I think it's kind of like before the T5 and T2 were um, competing with each other. Yeah. So this T48.
0: Right, because T48. I mean, is it present here?
4: No. No. no.
0: No. it is. T, T-,
3: T- forty eight is present. It, it, it's, it's just, not written.
0: It's, if they don't suggest yeah,
3: mutation, right, yeah. right. Yeah.
0: So it's, so, so T forty eight is, is, basically considered, you know, sort of a wimpy site, yeah. in, 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 throughout the paper. But, <laughs> it is, but it is present here earlier. But actually, it's, it's not. You know, it actually is important because if you use it alanine, you lose viability. Right, so I mean, it's sort of it's sort of confusing that they that they yeah. use the nomenclature that they do, right? Because there's a T site there, and they're very explicit about you know if there's a T site there, then you list it.
3: I guess it, it's a non-consensus site, so there's not a following like you uh, said. Right. that's right. So uh, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah, line. right. Yeah. It's, let's, it's let's, better let's explained in the text.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's yeah. uh, yeah, good to read. Let's see. So. um Right. So it's a TT but site. I
3: think it's just such close proximity of T forty five that it's like messing up the maybe the consensus yeah. sequence or something. Yeah. No, that's true. You would just get a little bit of an additional
0: be in that area that might assist with the t structure. Not much. yeah, not much. Um yeah, no, that's yeah, I mean so okay, yeah, so I understand that better now. Um right, so the T is doing something. Right? Um but it's probably not by being phosphorylated. Um although but it is, right? Because in panel E you see three bands when T forty eight is present. And it's the only other T. Right?
3: Is the bottom band is it like the next figure over there where you have a zero? Phosphorylation band as well because they don't label it. Yeah, I could not tell if that was an actual. Where, where do you mean the I was under the impression it was zero and one and two for the for e's
0: phosphorylation
3: states, yeah. and then um, a band for zero uh, phosphorylation,
0: but they don't. Label oh. The oh thing. yeah yeah yeah. Um, so like if you have four yeah that's a, that's a good point. Not, <laughs> uh, yeah. Is it yeah is it zero one and two or is it 1, 2, 3? Yeah, I don't. Maybe. Pardon me. Oh. Based based the yeah question. they should have labeled it like the uh, proline and
3: kind of what they're talking about yeah. in the text it's, it's
0: probably like, if you look at the spacing it's you know it's hard to say it's probably it's probably 0-1-2 actually I originally thought it was 2-3
1: but i been swayed. yeah actually I have been too. yeah I have been too.
0: so the, the, the T48 just plays a role not by being phosphorylated yeah. but by being a T and playing some role in in recognition of 45, which I think was proposed earlier. Yeah, the hydrophobicity issue. Yeah, okay, yeah, because, well, well, yeah, phenine and, and alanine are pretty similar, right? It's just the hydroxyl. So actually, it's probably not hydrophobicity. It's, it's an extra hydrogen bond donor, um, but you're, you're on the right track. Uh, okay, so from F to G, who wants to do G? Who hasn't gone yet? Have you all gone? No, you haven't all gone. Bring it on, she says. Oh, yes, I'll go. <laughs> yes, <I'm good. laughs> i don't know. Jeff's like, I'm not going to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can't go. <laughs> Jeff <Just>,
4: has <laughs> a brain. I, mean, so I mean, it's a time course so that you're looking at for like 30 to 70 minutes, um, and then... Looking at like phosphorylation when you have like the intact like T five or T two T three T three
0: three, and so. So this is okay. So, um, are these biochemical experiments in vitro, or are these results from cells? Cells. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So right, so so I mean the dead giveaway is the figure isn't divided into Clin2 on the left and clip five on the right. Right? They're both present. And so they're you know, so they're they're now trying to relate the you know, because previously, you know, up till this figure panel, they have either studied the biochemical process processes in vitro with you know recombinant isolated reagents, um, or they've studied cell viability um, uh, at this fairly really gross level, and then now they're uh, interrogating uh, phosphorylation of SIK one uh, in the cells yeah. to see if the viability results presented over here are correlated
1: to the,
0: correlated bio- to the, bio- to the biochemistry, right? So, so with that, with that you know, for perspective, then tell us whether the biochemist, the in vitro biochemistry is borne out. I mean, when
4: you correlate, you're going from like 10 Alley and then you tie back here you see like a decrease in viability, but you're still seeing... The fo- like
0: the high level phosphorylation. So where's, where's the survival, let's just start with the upper Here. left, where's the this, where's this, this cell data for that particular one? Oh, it isn't, yeah, they actually didn't do it. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. So. And then, so what's, what's the difference between the, uh, the upper left and the upper right?
4: the
0: degron, or the S80. So, as well as, let's see. S69, yeah. and S80, so yeah, the
4: full
0: Yeah, right, so so basically, you know, they're, well, let's see. So, so the one, okay, so, right, it, it's about it's about pairwise degrons, right? The one on the left doesn't have, right, so you've got priming sites, right the first three are priming sites and then the second two are sites that in the wild type occur pairwise right and so they're breaking them down to individual ones whereas on the right you have the same priming sites um, but the you have basically the 76-80 pairwise degron uh, and in addition 68 is thrown in for fun um, right? Mm-hmm. So that so and, and what what are what what's the key difference between the phosphorylation results? I mean here you have
4: an increase in phosphorylation.
0: Well but you're still seeing well remember this is in cells. So right? So if if so if the cell is so if, if if the cell is surviving what's the level of sick one well it's decreasing so you're going to see like an increase in the phosphorylation
4: then you see like sick one degrading right so then you won't
5: have the phosphorylation
0: right so decreasing. so is there so is there more sick one degradation on the left or the right the right the right yeah right so you see less phosphorylation because the protein's, the protein's gone yeah. right so i mean the so okay just so we right yeah exactly I mean the the phosphorylation is sort of done and dusted and the protein is gone and the cells are dividing whereas these cells uh, must be dividing much more slowly because they still got you know they still got piles of SICK1 it's being Mm -hmm. phosphorylated just not at the same rate just not at the same rate and then uh, okay so then the bottom two panels
6: Like about the same
0: thing. Yeah, it's pretty much the same like, thing. You it's the same thing. I mean, using um,
4: like longer, right? Extended levels of phosphorylation. So right. the sick one's still there, able to like inhibit. It. So I mean, the cells potentially could be dividing still, but it's slower. Right. And then your the sick one obviously goes away. No all phosphorylations to right. the cells. They're increasing viability. Right.
0: Um, um. But I guess they're they're also making the point. So this this, this was this was so, so the reviewer was really drilling in on T48, T48. yeah yeah um, he, so for some reason he had a suspicion that it was important um, and it is important in in a particular setting right. but it's not important in all settings because it's mutant in the right hand panel but SIC1 is gone right so right. it's self-doubt. right okay. right so it's so it, it is important but it's not like Absolutely dominant. Um, okay. And figure three. Next. Well, I guess someone will have to go again. Has everyone gone? I think you're the, I think you're the, the last, last person standing. This is the one. This is the one. <laughs> Pardon me? So, would you, yeah. so let's get the pointer over there. I should be putting it
2: understand so I don't know if I can explain. Uh well this is the one I don't understand super well, so let's just go for it. Okay. Um, so what well, we're working with is we got the CLIM2 and the CDK one that we've been looking at and we have our mutant here and they're adding back these and we're looking at correlation. In the, I, I don't know what pairwise I, I'm not fully I don't really know what pairwise
3: means because um, I mean, it has T5 and then on side those, side. yeah, yeah. yeah the, like, the
0: key is, yeah, so the, key is yeah, the key is in the details of what what the what sites actually exist okay. so so right so pairwise so it says t5 plus so it's t5 what? and then one one other site right
2: but uh, so that means it's t5 plus and t33 and the next one's just t5 and t45 yeah right. yes. that's yeah. T5 yeah. yeah that's yeah. i mean the devil is
0: in the details in this yes. paper um, okay, okay, so okay, so now that you pairwise, know what the experiment is.
2: Yes, now we're looking at pairwise additions of these different P and S's. So, you have some bands.
1: <laughs> and they did label that there are either
3: 1P or 2P. Yes, which is beneficial. <laughs> yes.
0: So,
3: this means
2: there's different, there's differences between CLIN two
0: and CLIN five when it comes to the specificity. Right. I mean so it's basically um, well right what's I mean what's the role of T five? The The priming site. There we go. Right? So because because I mean so with Clin Two, T five was really the only site that got phosphorylated. Right, That's if we go, I mean, let's just go back. Uh, Where is Where's, <laughs> right here, so with, with um, CLIN2, the bottom panel, and B, it's really the dominant site. Um, and then on the top, uh, T5 is amongst the most um, intense early sites. So if T5 is there, then either of the kinase complexes can phosphorylate it, creating a priming site. Okay, so, so you
2: don't really see that.
0: So, um, and then you've only you've only got one other site, right? So the so the only way so so it's basically well, so I mean the experiment is really testing the linkage of. T five priming and phosphorylation of other sites, one by one. So
2: if it works or
0: not. Yeah, yeah. Can T five specifically prime for phosphorylation at thirty three on the top? Yes. Forty five? Yes. Sixty nine? No. Seventy six? A little bit. Eighty? No. Except in CLP five. Uh, right. Well, that's yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was referring to the top.
3: Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, in the back
3: yeah I think they just kind of figured out the T5 is like necessary for function in general because it's so close to the terminus. I mean like it usually mess up something that close to the internness it messes up the whole protein like, right? not necessarily
0: um, um, well I mean you know there so the reason I mean so So the the binding of phosphorylated T5 to CKS1 then positions downstream sites to interact with the kinase active site, right? But but those sites are different distances away, right? But the but this 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 domain of CKS1 is disordered; it's a piece of spaghetti, right? So it's it's you know constantly fluctuating so but what this says is you know in that piece of spaghetti um, you know in the upper panel that not not all sites have equal accessibility to the kinase active site and, and also the different sites may have intrinsic um, propensities to be phosphorylated right so it's sort of those two factors um, but then uh, but then, again, for the CLIB-5 complexes, we see much more extensive phosphorylation, right? And, and you know, why is that? RxL. RxL, right? RXL. right. RXL. So, again, again, we see a manifestation of the um, sort of importance of the RxL motif Right, so that you know, so this is kind of you know, I mean, this is a really good illustration of that you know, the the activity the activity of the clin 2 complex is to phosphorylate T5, and when T5 gets phosphorylated, then the clin 5 complex can really take over, um, and you know as, you know, think back to the introductory slide, right? You get the top complex, the CLIN2 complex is what is active first and then as you phosphorylate sick one it gets degraded and then you get, you know, a, a sort of growing amount of, of the CLIN5 complex that's being active. And once, and once that, that kicks in, then it becomes dominant but you still have whatever CLIN2 is remaining Continuing to sort of pump T five phosphorylation, just letting the cl- the clip five complex run away with it. Do its thing. That's right. Well put. I'm oh. very <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay. So okay. Somebody else for panel B. Double dipping is allowed.
3: It's just a graphical representation of the speci oh uh, the pairwise specificity of the uh, A fine mean,
0: it, it shows the clip file has a higher specificity in each of the uh, yeah I mean it, I mean products. so they're I mean they're 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 you know sort of site by site they're teasing apart the priming effect considering three different priming sites. T five, T thirty three, and T forty five, and and they're they're teasing apart the priming effect, uh, sort of recipient site by recipient site, and those those are um, yeah 69, 76, and eighty, right? They're also you know they're also you know sort of looking at at the relationship between you know one priming site priming other priming sites, right? So that's you know, 5, 33, 45, and then, you know, the key sort of degron sites are the others, yeah. and and you know, so the arrows at the top just illustrate these linkages, but you're correct uh, that the exact quantitative nature of these priming relationships differs between the different kinases, with the CLIB-5 complex being overall the, the sort of more um, uh, uh, well, having greater phosphorylation activity, right? So, so it's, yeah, it's just
3: the RXL yeah, I mean,
0: I think that's a key take-home message: is that the RXL motifs are really, you know, uh, important uh, in in the system. And then, what's what's going on with C? of what they think is going on yeah it's kind of like sums up the whole thing right and, and for so, and, and why are there sort of two, two diagrams for CLIN2 and only one for CLIN5 um, because CLIN2
3: starts off priming T5
0: Yeah, I mean they differentiate between like fast priming and slow priming, and there's actually an example of slow priming in clip five. But they could squeeze in the dashed arrow in amongst the solid arrows, whereas in the other one it would have been confusing. I think arrows would have clashed, so they made two panels. (laughs) I think that's that's all that's about. Um, So they're slow and fast. Although in clip five it's mostly you know sort of equally significant. Tightly coupled in a temporal sense, priming and phosphorylation, downstream phosphorylation events. Um, okay. Closing comments? I thought it was cool how they kind of showed here, like, they almost like a barcode of how phosphorylation works, and then it's also spatial, not spatial, but temporal and, you know, has to do with phosphorylation, time and timing and phosphorylation. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, it's really the timing of phosphorylation. Um, And so, I mean, this paper is an absolute beautiful illustration of the importance of motifs in disordered regions of proteins in mediating signaling. Um, I mean, I so I ran a meeting... A month ago, in Ireland, that was uh, disordered motifs in cell con- cell control or something like that. Um, and the meeting was all about the importance of short linear sequences, termed motifs, um, that are usually quite highly conserved their roles in mediating signaling events. And Mark Lug actually spoke at the conference, um, and his his system is one of the sort of most complex that's been analyzed at this level of detail. But it's an illustration of how you can encode really complex regulatory behavior uh, in a relatively short stretch of amino acids. And the reason that you can achieve that is because all the amino acids are accessible for interactions with the kinases and the cyclin partners because the polypeptide is disordered. Um, so it's an illustration of, you know, sort of how a disordered domain riddled with different types of motifs can uh, participate in this complex regulation. And, and, and again, it's all about achieving this sharp transition to degrade SIK1 so as to allow cells to divide and survive basically um, and although I haven't read in detail I think reading I, I you know having gone through the paper in this great detail I think if you read the recent review paper it'll probably help to solidify the main concepts in your minds um, so I would recommend doing that it's not very long um, and anything further? Okay, can I have my pointer (laughs) back?